I heard about a businessman who was um, trying to drop a few pounds, and uh, so he decided that he was going to stop driving by the bakery that he would stop at every morning, because that was what was doing it. And so uh, everything was really going good, and he just didn't drive down that, that route anymore. Yeah, but one morning, he showed up at work, and he had this beautiful coffee cake, and all of his co-workers went, whoa, uh-oh, what happened? And he goes, no, you don't understand. This is a gift from God. And they said, really? Uh, how did that all work? And he said, well, he goes, I was on my way to work this morning as usual, but somehow I took the wrong route, and I went right by that bakery. And uh, he says, as I was driving by the bakery, I saw this beautiful coffee cake in the window. And he said, and I prayed a prayer. I said, God, if you want me to have that coffee cake, I'm going to pray that you would just open up uh, that parking spot right in front of the bakery. And he said, you know what? He said, the eighth time around the block, it opened up. <laughs> Temptation is kind of that way. You know, we just kind of keep going around the block. Oh, I'm okay, you know, and ooh, that's looking good. And so that's, we're going to talk about temptation today. And, and, and the question is, how do we win the battles over temptation? So here's, here's what you need to know. Everybody's tempted. It doesn't matter if you're a person of faith. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. It doesn't matter what. Everybody is tempted about something. Everybody faces temptation of different kinds. And now, now as a Christ follower... Uh, it kind of takes on a whole new sort of dimension because God has asked us to live a certain way and to walk a certain way and live this beautiful life. And so we're going to face temptation a, a, as well. And so here's what, right out of the gate, here's what I want you to know because this will help you a lot. There is nothing wrong with being tempted. I'll say it again. There is nothing wrong with being tempted. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted just like we are, but without sin. All kinds of temptation. And, and the reason I want to say this is because, and I've experienced this myself, sometimes we get really tempted and then we, we shame ourselves for it. We go, man, I was so tempted in that area and, and we, we don't feel good about ourselves. There's nothing wrong with being tempted. As a matter of fact, I dare say that those of us who, like, the closer you get to God, probably the more temptation you're going to get. So let, let's talk about how, how, to, how to navigate that temptation. So the first thing, it's all about the playbook. You know, there is a, a temptation playbook that comes right at us. So um, I want you to think football for a second. And if, you've ever, if you know anything about football, you know that you study the films, right? And some of you have been involved in football before. You've got your plays and everything. And I think there's probably the mastermind in my mind of, of all time in my lifetime is Bill Belichick. Belichick. He is, he is uh, the coach of the New England Patriots can't stand that team. But I will tell you this. I think he is the greatest coach in football. Uh, and, and basically, he's, you know, he's, he's not that hard to figure out the way he coaches, but it just works season after season, Super Bowl after Super Bowl. And I know that he and his team, they look at the films. And then he'll, he, basically his formula is pretty simple. We're going to exploit them by taking their best players out. And he just has this way of doing it. He has a couple of other things that he does. Have you ever thought that the devil has a playbook for our life? Like he looks at our film, you know? He looks at your film, and he looks at your film, and your film, and he goes, oh, okay, I know how it works, and I know how to come right at him. The Bible says in, in, in 1 Peter 5.8, the Bible says that we're to be sober and alert. This is why. It says because the enemy, Satan, is prowling around like a lion, a lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's out there. And so the Bible says we've got three enemies in our life. We've got the culture of the world, because the world 
which kind of works against us a lot. Well, okay. And then we have, we have, so we have the world, then we have our own flesh. So the enemy is us. Many times it's just like, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to, that's, that's the number. And then, of course, Satan himself. So we have to factor those in when we think about temptation. We have to know that there's a, there's a playbook out there. So I, I, want to, um, I want us to look at, in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 11, just five verses there. And while, you, while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context here. We've been talking about wisdom. We've been talking about Solomon quite a bit because Solomon was said to be the wisest man that ever lived. But we've also, off and on, we've talked about Solomon's father who was King David. Now, as we jump into these five verses, all the way up to this point, if, you, if you've read King David's story, he has just been, he's been the man. He's been the king. He's famous. He's a war hero. You know, he took Goliath down when he was young. He's written the Psalms. Everything up to this verse right here, David is, is just unbelievable greatest king of israel ever now as we read these five verses everything changes because there's a temptation that has come david's way he's thought to be probably around 50 years old and so let's uh let's pick it up verse one in the spring at the times when kings go off to war david sent joab out with the king's men and the whole israel army and so um his, this guy Joab was his general, and normally David would go out. Every year they'd go out. You know, there were still enemies that, that they had to battle. But this particular year, for whatever reason, David was, no, he was not on mission anymore. He thought, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay back, you know. I fought my battle, so we're just going to sort of kick it this year. So um, it says they destroyed the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now here's where the trouble begins. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Uh Uh-oh. The woman was very beautiful. Notice it doesn't say she was just beautiful. She was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, She is Bathsheba, Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, Here's what I see in this, and I, I hadn't really seen it until I looked at this a little bit closer, because I've read this passage so many times. I know this story backwards and forward, but I saw something this time that I hadn't, hadn't really noticed before, and that is that before, as he was being tempted, there was a warning here. Notice this, it doesn't name who this, say who this guy is, but so he's looking at this woman, you know, he's a married man, and uh, he's not on mission, and you know, it, it's nighttime, and he's bored, and he sees her. And this guy calls it out right here. He goes, oh, so here's what you need to know about her. She is, she has a name. Her name is Bathsheba. She is the daughter of, okay, Eliam, and the wife of Uriah. See, that to me, that's like flashing, like neon red flags. Like, oh, basically what this guy is saying is, don't know why you're checking her out, but here's what you need to know about her. Okay? And, and a lot of times temptation is that way because if you are a follower of Christ, Christ is going to do everything he can to like bring those red flags out there and those neon signs and go, okay, I know you're being tempted. Let me show you something. He's trying to show David something here. Verse 4, David didn't pay attention. Then he sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. 
Now, uh, she was purifying herself from the monthly uncleanliness, and then she went back home. So she goes back home, and, and David, you know, is going, huh, that was fun. One night stand, you know, I'm off mission right now. We're, we're just kind of hanging around. We'll go out next war season. Verse 5, the woman conceived, sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. And everything changes. From that verse forward, David's life takes on a whole different look, and it's not a good one. Nothing is ever the same after that. Just temptation. Temptation never plays defense. Temptation is always going to come at us our, our, our whole life. Temptation is crafty. It's at every corner. So every time we turn around, how many of you notice that? Like, just, just wherever you go, th- th- there it is. Uh, it, it downplays the effects of sin. Of course it does. Temptation is built upon fantasy. It gives us empty promises of fulfillment. How many times have you and I been tempted to do something and we're just given a, a partial picture of what we're, we want to experience, right? And we're thinking, oh man, that's going to be so good, that's going to be so fun. If I do that, it's going to satisfy me so much. And we don't see the other picture. You never get the other part of that picture is, yeah, and then like David, and then everything is going to really be bad. And then you're going to suffer the consequences of what you did. It gives us unrealistic expectations of unlimited pleasure and zero consequences. And this, one, this last one here, temptation has a way of convincing us that we might actually deserve to get what we want. I can imagine that David, the war hero, standing there that evening was thinking, you know, I fought a lot of battles. I've done a lot for these people. I deserve to have a little bit of fun. Somehow we can rationalize it, convince ourselves that I need or I deserve that thing that I want, and I know it's not right, but I'm going to get it anyway. That's, that's the way the temptation works. So it has a playbook. Now, second, we know that, that uh, we, we need to let godly wisdom guide us as opposed to what other kind of wisdom well there's a lot of other kind of wisdoms out there other thoughts around the world but if we're truly serious about our relationship with christ we say okay i'm going to get the word of god where does wisdom come from godly wisdom it comes from god where does where does that come from it comes from his word okay so get some of the get the bible inside of us his ways inside of us and let that wisdom guide us let me read to you um proverbs turn it turn it there if you would proverbs again written by solomon how many, of you, how many of you have been uh, reading through Proverbs a little bit? Isn't that great? There's so much wisdom in that book. So this is Proverbs chapter 7. And this is, uh, I think, what's going on here. So this is Solomon writing here. And as he begins to speak these words, I have to believe that he's kind of channeling his, some wisdom he got from his dad a little bit. How many of you have ever done something and it was just disastrous and you made a really bad choice and then when you got through it, you, would, you warn other people. And like whether it was a kid or somebody in your life, and you saw them beginning to go there, and you go, whoa, 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 let me just tell you something. I've been there, done that. Don't do that. It's terrible. And this, I really believe that this, is, this actually came from his, his father. And by the way, Solomon was the product of the affair that we just read about. He was the son from that affair. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and to insight, you are my relative. 
They will keep you from the adulterous woman and from the wayward woman with her seductive words. And he's talking about, in this particular case, adultery, but just the way that temptation is, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, a desire for money and greed and materialism, whatever it is. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do, or everything you do flows from it. And I would say not just guard your heart, but you've got to guard your mind. How many of you know that this is kind of the, the, right between the ears is what I would call the devil's playground? And, and so if, if, if the, whatever gets in your head, that's where your temptation is, is going to flow from. That's why we say this, and you've probably heard this before, but it's garbage in, garbage out. But it's also, if you bring good things into your mind, if you're reading good things, if you're listening to good things, um, then that's also going to play out in, in your mind. Now, the problem is, is that we have a culture that has, it's full of a lot of really not good stuff. There's a lot of, lot of garbage out there. And it means that you and I have to be intentional about what am I going to let into to my mind? I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's all kinds of great podcasts out there. You can get on the internet, read all kinds of good stuff. There's all kinds of great books out there. I mean, everywhere we go, there's just awesome information and knowledge and wisdom right there. But why is it it seems like it's just so easy to go to the other stuff? You know, it is, you're tired, you come home, you want to veg a little bit, put on Netflix, oh, what am I going to look at tonight? Next thing you know, you're watching something and you're like, at the end of the night, ooh, I don't know if I should have watched that or not. It's kind of funny, but I feel like a little dirty, you know? Just, just that. So we get to make a choice, garbage in, garbage out, or good stuff in. God's word in, or, or are just, just beautiful things in, and then that's going to play out as well. So we need to listen in to the wisdom of other people. If you want to be wise, hang around with wise people. Some of you, you've been reading the Proverbs, right? So if you've been reading, have you noticed that the word fool is used a lot by Solomon? And he says things like this. He goes, don't hang around with fools. Don't cast your lot with fools. And he uses it over and over and over again. Well, why does he say that? Because if you hang around with a bunch of fools, guess what you're going to become? Okay? We need, to, we need to be discretionary. Like, So I don't know about you, but I always, I, cho- I always gravitate towards people that are wise. Now, you're gonna, all of us are going to have di- different people in our life. And we don't get to choose all the people that are in our life, right? So we're going to have some other people that are not so wise. I'm not going to call them fools. I'll just say that there are some people that are in our life that are not going to bring us up. They're not going to help us. And for those people, we pray for them, we love them, but, but for all of us, really, we should always have people in our life that we're drafting off their wisdom, that, we, that we're saying, you are so wise. I love how you parent your children. I, I, I love how you are as a boss at work. I, I love how you financially navigate your life. You know, and we can look at these certain people and say, I, I want to I I be like that. Proverbs 7.24, Now then, my sons, listen to me. He says, pay attention to what I say. Pay attention to what I say. And then, when we start to get some wisdom in our life, then we can strengthen other people with the wisdom that we, we have. Several years ago, I remember I, I, I was doing a, a morning surf check, and I walked out to the jetty, and I was just looking at the waves, and this guy was standing right next to me, and he's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's just kind of checking the waves out. So we just begin to have this conversation. And in a very short period of time, I realized that this guy's life was kind of a mess. 
And um, uh, I'm, I'm not there to judge anybody. I'm just thinking, this, this guy, could, he could use a little bit of help, you know. And, and so at some point, you know, um, I outed myself because we were talking about what I do. And I don't always do that because sometimes that's a conversation killer. But I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. And he looked at me and he said, huh, interesting. I said, yeah. He said, you know, my mom's always talked to me about church. And she's always, she says she's always, always praying for me. And I said, well, you got to listen to your mom. She said, like, I like she's got some wisdom. And so I, I ended up inviting him to church. He started going to this, this many years ago. He's not here anymore. He moved on. But he started going to this church, committed his life to Christ. And, and everything began to change after that. And it's just sometimes, folks, it's, it's just as simple as that. You look at somebody out there and they're just falling all over themselves, you know, and they're kind of in a bad place in life. And you and I, I mean, we get to showcase the wisdom of God. I go, hey, let, let, me, let me help you, brother. Let me, let me help you out there a little bit, sister. And, and show you a, a, a better way. That's what, what wisdom does. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Start children off in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not turn away from it. Kind of makes me think about the guy that I was just talking about. It's like he was probably around 30 years old when I met him. And I'm thinking, there's a praying mom. A lot of times I meet people, and almost invariably, when I see people and they're just like all messed up and they're just having trouble in their life, I'll, ask, I'll just ask them straight up. You got, you got a mom or a dad or grandma or somebody out there praying for you? And they'll go, uh-huh. Powerful prayers of the people. But what I love about this verse right here is it says, look, he says, start them off. So that's why we do what we do. That's why Donnie does what he does. You don't know Donnie. He, he directs our, our children's ministries. We are serious about this stuff. Let me tell you, folks, we are not babysitting your kids. We are teaching them about the word of God. And, and your students as well. Mason, as he leads our, our student ministry, he knows that's a, that's a difficult time in their life right there in those teenage years. We're serious about this stuff. Now, is there a possibility that when they're in their 20s, they're going to wander off and do their own thing? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Notice what it says at the end there. And when they are old, somewhere along the line, this is why we take this so serious, they're going to come back. Because we imparted the wisdom of God into their life. We told them that Jesus loves them and Jesus has a plan for their life and Jesus wants to, wants to bless their life. This is the way that Moses said it in, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5-7. through seven. He said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then catch this last part. He said, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get... In other words, just make it a part of your life, your conversation with your, with your children. Now, I realize not all of you are parents. Some of you have adult kids. But most of us, at, on some level, have children in our life. We have, you know, if you're, you're an uncle or you're an aunt, you've got some nieces, some nephews, you've got children. And it's our opportunity to bring wisdom in, into the life of, of these young ones. You've heard this said before that children are great imitators. Uh, uh, even, even your own children. Have you ever noticed uh, that if you're driving and you have like, bad driving habits, maybe saying things you shouldn't say inappropriately to drivers, that the children in the back seat, and pretty soon they start to say that, and you're like, <gasps> oh, man, I better stop saying that, you know? Even the way you walk. walk. One, one day I was, uh, I was walking into Home Depot with my two boys, and by this time... One of them was already an adult, and the other one was a teenager. And uh, somebody said, hey, bombachis. 
turn around, you know, and go, oh, hey, he was talking to this person, and, and they said, yeah, I recognize you. They said, your boys walk just like you. I oh, they got this strut, huh? You know, but they do. They, they, they imitate us. And so we need to, like, set the, the bar high and say, okay, if they're going to imitate us, let's show, us, show them the right way. When, when my wife and I, Karen, when we were in youth ministries for a long time, we realized very soon that we were not only modeling, um, you know, just in our activities and stuff, we were modeling our marriage. Because there was a whole bunch of students that came from messed up, broken homes. They, didn't, they weren't seeing anything real good, so we, we were modeling our marriage. We were modeling every aspect of our life. We wanted to show them that there was, there was a better way. That's wisdom right there. Not just what you say, it's what you do. It's how you live. Finally, we've got to be ready to fight temptation because, well... It's just going to come. It's just going to come. You've got to know the playbook. You've got to lead with the wisdom that comes from God. And then you've got to be ready to fight temptation because it will come. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. A little, little context here. The Apostle Paul is writing this, and he's talking about uh, the children of Israel. And basically what he is saying is learn from their mistakes. If you've ever read through the Old Testament about the children of Israel, they made about every mistake that you could make. And they just kept falling into temptation and blowing it. Uh, so it says, these things happen to, be, happen to them as examples uh, and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think that you are standing firm, now catch what he's saying to all of us who we think, I got it together. He said, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, question is, do you really believe that? that? That part I just read right there. That God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I, 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 I think back in my life of times that I was thinking, no, it's just too much, man. I, I got to give into this. And then look what he says at the end. He says, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, if I'm really honest with myself, I look back at all the times, you know, times when I really blew it, and I think, yeah, there was a way out. I just didn't take it. There was always a way out. What you need to know is God is here to help you, not condemn you, not point a finger at you. He wants to help you. That's why we've got to be honest with ourselves, right? We have to identify those areas of weaknesses that we have in, in our life. So just for a moment, I want you to think, what is your greatest struggle right now? What is the area that you struggle most with temptation in your life right now? See, this is what I know about me, is that it changes. As I, different, every year that goes by, it seems like I come into different seasons of my life. And I like, you know, a couple years, like, oh, I'm really tempted with this. And then a few more years go by, and now it becomes this. You know? and, and, and when you think about it, there's so many different ways we can be tempted. I mean, some of the examples we've been using today are sexual temptation. But then there's like judging other people. You ever been tempted to do that? How about being gossipy? Like just, well, you know, get caught up in all of that. How about, how about just being greedy, materialistic? On and on, on the list goes. So this is my confession to you right now. So right now, my biggest temptation in my life is comparing myself to other pastors. And it's because I've been doing this for a long time and I love pastoring. But I just went to a conference last week 
And you know what happens when most pastors go to a conference? It, it's fun, and you learn all kind of stuff, and then you hear the greatest speakers in the entire country, and you're like, I hate myself. I am nothing. I will never be like that person. And you just, you just sometimes will almost shame yourself and walk away. Now, I don't do that anymore. I, thank God. I, there's been, God has helped me and delivered me, and I was able to hear great speakers this week and go, that was so great, such a great experience. I'm not them, and they're not me, and God has called them, and he's gifted them a certain way. He's gifted me a certain way. But I'm just telling you, in the past, that has been a real struggle, and I still have to guard it. Otherwise, I'll just feel all miserable about myself, get in a big old self-pity party, and invite some people to come. Nobody will come to my pity party. So you know how that goes. It's, it's no good. What is, what is it for you, though? What is it? How is Satan coming at you? How are you even coming at yourself? How is the culture coming at you? And what is the struggle? What is the temptation? You know, one of the things that we get to do is we get to set up boundaries about that. You know what, you know what a, a boundary is? And actually, By the way, there's a book called Boundaries. I've read it for years. It's a great book. But it, means, it just means a predetermined decision that you have already made so when the temptation comes, you, are, you already know what you're going to do. That's what a, a boundary is. A boundary is that, oh, you know what? When, uh, when I, everybody says they're going to go to that place, nope, not going to go there. Nothing good ever happens when I go there. That, that would be a, a boundary right there. Or, or maybe there's a certain person in your life, and you have to sort of set up some boundaries about that. Because maybe when you're around that person, good things don't happen. Those are, those are boundaries. We use the word halt here, uh, which is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So those are some areas that we need to look at. Those are the, a lot of times, you know, if, if you are hungry, you know, we call it hangry, right? Um, like, uh, you get all irritable and you're not good. If you're angry, I have done and probably made some of the worst decisions I've ever made when I was angry. So I've learned to guard that. I've learned, Steve, you never, ever make decisions when you're angry because you don't make good decisions. Um, when you're lonely, you know, Sometimes you make really bad decisions when you're lonely. Do things you would normally not do. Maybe on a sexual level. Or maybe on a just closing the doors, putting the shades down, drinking a bottle of red wine, and eating ice cream. You just go, man, that's not good. Or how about when you're tired? You ever been so tired, maybe worn down, haven't taken a vacation forever? And you go, you start giving in to temptation. You start making bad decisions. I would add one more to the list. Bored. My mother used to tell me, in her wisdom, she said, Stevie, idleness is the devil's workshop. And I've discovered that to be true. Some of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life kind of went on board. So you need to guard against that as well. One of the ways that we guard against that, and this is why we talk about life groups all the time around here, is you need to be in relationship with other people. Um, on a spiritual level, solitude, we call that one of the spiritual disciplines, is good. Every, all, we all need solitude once in a while, just to be by yourself and you know, maybe commune with God. That's a good thing. But isolation, that's the devil's tool. That's the devil's weapon against you. Isolation is when I don't feel good about me, and so I'm going to isolate myself, and I don't want people around me right now. And that's when the devil's just going to beat you all up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. That's why, here's what's going to happen. If you've never been in like spiritual community, never been in like a life group, or maybe you had an accountability partner, you, do, you say, man, this is what I'm struggling with. And then 
Guarantee, somebody else is going to go, you struggle with that too? I, I thought I was the only one. Everybody thinks they're unique. They think, nobody gets tempted like I get tempted. And then you get in the, in the group and, and you find out you're not alone. There's other people. And then you get to help each other. That's why life groups are, are so, so important. You know, we get to ask God to show us the way out. So let me go back to this verse for a second. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can do it. Have you ever prayed in the moment, God, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm tempted right now. I'm tempted to give in. There's, you know, if I'm really honest, I want to do this thing, but I know I shouldn't do this thing. The Bible says God will say, he'll show you the way out. And there's, you know, it could be a lot of different things. It could be, run, run. That's one way out. Uh, it, it could be, you know what? Go outside, take about 10 deep breaths, and, and you know, collect yourself because you're too angry. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. God will show you a way out. But you've got to ask him, folks. I've got to ask him. I've got to say, okay, this is your promise right here. You said you'd never let me you know, be so tempted I couldn't overcome it, and you said that you'd show me a way out. But we talked about the devil's playbook, temptation. This is God's playbook. Look to him. Ask him. He will show you the way out. The question is, and this is going back to kind of the, the boundary thing, what am I going to do to avoid the places and the situations and the people that, that trigger me? Now, this, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we get super practical here, okay? Because, I mean, we could all go, oh, that was kind of an uh, interesting message, you know, and, and go home and change nothing. And fall right back into the same traps. You know, we get all, we all triggered about, like, well, you know, you go right back to that place, and you know every time you go to that place, nothing good happens at that place. When are you going to get smart and get some wisdom and stop going to that place? Maybe today. And, and that's, that's making that decision now. That's sitting at that boundary. Say, you know what? I will not go to that place anymore. That's not a good place. It doesn't work for me. Or, or how about the situation? And uh, maybe that situation involves around your work or around certain people, or maybe just people. Anybody got, don't raise your hand, anybody got somebody that just triggers you? Like, what are you going to do about that? Okay. And now, if it's your boss, and it could be, okay, then, you know, you're going to have to really get the wisdom of God. You, you really do need to go get some help. All right. But that's why we're here, to help you. If it's your spouse, even more so. I can make some great, good, great recommendations, okay? But we have to figure that out. We have to figure that out. What are we going to do? So I want to end with this. We've been talking about temptation. When we talk about temptation, it's easy for a lot of us to start thinking, sort of reminiscing about our life and thinking, man, I've blown it. I've done some stupid things. I have so much regret. I, just, I wish I hadn't done some of the things that I've done and start feeling bad about ourselves, But this is why the grace of God is so wonderful, so powerful. It's kind of like God says, I get you. Remember, I was one of you. I walked the face of the earth. I know what temptation is. I've experienced temptation myself, and I am here to help you all day long. James 4, 7 and 8 says, Submit yourselves into God and resist the devil. That's, you know, okay, that's, sometimes it's tough. And he will flee from you. And then I love this last part. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Now, why is that so important? I don't know how 
you operate, I kind of suspect I do, that when I blow it, the last thing I want to do, sort of on an intuitive level, is go to God. I kind of want to run away from God. I'm kind of ashamed of myself. But James says, oh, no, 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 no. No. He's full of grace. So when you blow it, don't run away from him. Come near to him. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to come near to you. And he's going to help you. Let's pray, and then we're going to go into our communion time, okay? Father, all of us, all of us face temptation every single day of our life. Sometimes it's just, you know, our own flesh. Sometimes it, 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 it is the culture, it, it's those things out there. And then sometimes it's the devil himself, God. I pray that this morning that you would help some of us who, as we've been talking about this, to make decisions this morning about that. Maybe for some of us, it's a decision to actually have a relationship with you, and we realize that uh, our life is not going well, and you've got good things for us. And so my prayer is that some of us might open our hearts up to you totally this morning and say, God, I just need you to guide me and help me. Maybe for somebody else, you follow the Lord, but it's been a struggle. Maybe you're in a difficult season of your life right now. And this morning, you know you need to do something. There's a decision or maybe several decisions that need to be made. And we pray, Lord, that those people, that these people that are here this morning that need to do that, give them the courage to do that. Give them the strength to do it. God, bring the support and the help that they need to follow through. Probably something they've been thinking about for a while, God. Help them, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.